Welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 4. Today we're talking to Nuno Maduro, the creator of Laravel Zero and Collision and lots of other great tools about interacting with Laravel from the command line, Arzen, Tinker, and much more. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 4, where every single episode is about a single topic. Today, our topic is about the command line. With Laravel, that's going to be Artisan and Tinker and some other standalone tools. And my guest is Nuno Maduro, who is a Laravel employee. He also created Collision, which you've probably seen, which is a command line error handler, which is in- integrated in a Laravel core. He created Laravel Zero, which I talk about all the time. We'll talk about later. He also created a testing framework called Pest and quite a few other things. So I'm going to let uh, Nuno introduce himself, though. So you know, as I start with everybody, when you meet somebody in the grocery store or if these days there, I don't know if you guys actually go to the grocery store there. We don't in the U.S. as much as we used to, for sure. Uh, how do you what do you tell people that you do? <laughs> That's a great question. Honestly, I just say that I work with computers and I do websites, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and people usually think, what do you mean? Like you do websites, but what do you do exactly on that? And uh-huh. I just say, oh. I don't know how to explain you. I mean, I just do websites, you know, like people can click on buttons and I don't know, uh, do stuff with websites. I don't have a great explanation for that, I would say. <laughs> well, and yours is uniquely difficult because working for Laravel, I think like for me, I get to say, okay, well, people pay my company to build this certain type of web application. What's a web application? Okay. But for you, you work for Laravel. So if you're talking to somebody who's in the, the programming industry and actually understands some of these concepts, how, how would you tell them, you know, what is Laravel? What do you do at Laravel? that kind of stuff. Yeah, so usually what I say is that when you develop a website locally, mm-hmm. my job at Laravel is make sure you can deploy that website to a server that will basically make your website available in the world. Because it's basically what I do at Laravel, right? I work with products like Forge and Vapor, that's where mm-hmm. I spend the most of my time. And that's yeah. what I try to explain to people is that you do the website, then I make sure that that website reaches the entire world. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so you have created Collision, which is a beautiful kind of command line error handler. You created Laravel Zero, which is a tool to use the Laravel framework to create your own standalone tools. You also created Pest. And I, I'm literally just reading off your Twitter bio because I know there's other stuff that's not here. And then there's one that I don't think people hear about a lot, which we talked about, I think, last time, which was Laristan. Is that still something you're doing a lot with? Yeah, correct. So uh, Laristan, at the beginning, I did more of it, you know, but uh-huh. since then, we, so, so first of all, Laristan, for people who don't know, is kind of static analysis tool for a lot of it, like to try mm-hmm. to find bugs in your code before actually run them. Uh, so at the beginning, I was actually um, developing a lot on Laristan, but then like some external contributors uh, make sure I don't spend that oh, much great. time on it. And they are actually doing oh, all the work for me. So yeah, Laristan is still a thing. He has like millions of downloads, but Wonderful. I don't spend that much time on it, which is a right. good thing. It's cool when you get to a point where it kind of has a life of its own, right? Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So so today we're talking about the command line. So, you know, I actually talked about this beforehand and we said, well, we've got a lot of different aspects of the command line here. We've got Tinker and we've got Artisan. And we've got what is the command line in general? So what we agreed on is that we are going to start just generally from the idea of the command line. And then later we'll dive into what specific tools are there. So if you had to describe the idea of the command line to a five-year-old, 
How would you do that? So I did my best trying to find a sentence that resumes what the command line is to a five-year-old. Uh -huh. And my way of describing it would be uh, it's the simplest way for a person that work with computers to actually interact with the computer itself. Okay. So in my opinion, like most of the people interact with computers using buttons, graphics, or images, right? But the mm -hmm. reality is like people for people like me and you, Matt, we just like to use mm -hmm. the console for stuff, right? If you want to yeah. copy a folder from uh, one place to the other, you just use a CP command instead of having right. actually drag things around, right? So right. yeah, that, that that is the explanation I, w I found for this. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> I like that. Well, I think one of the things I think about is because you could say, well, which version is simpler? And, you know, so maybe dragging is simpler to learn. But if you think about simple in terms of like how close and what I uh, is what I'm doing to the native thing that a computer speaks, it's simplest in terms of there's the least layers between me and the computer, right? Yeah, it's like the it's the it's the closest to the wire, closest to the metal version of it or something, right? Where it's yeah. like, I'm I'm as close to speaking the language that that computer understands as I possibly can get. So mm -hmm. I, I, I totally make sense. I like that. Um, <laughs> and because I was trying to think, I'm like, you know, because when I tell people about the command line, I'm often talking mm -hmm. to people who are older. I'm like, oh, you know, you've seen those screens with the black and green or, you know, you've seen the thing in the matrix. That doesn't work with a five-year-old, right? That, those yeah, references yeah. don't work. So that's I love correct. that. I think that's really good. And, and I also think it's still about command line for experts like us. I also think it's like a common language that everyone that works in IT understands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh -huh. That it's not too, there is not that much with UI that you can do with a command line, correct? Yeah. You can display text, you can display colors sometimes, and yeah. the best that you can do out of it is like a table. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So everyone can understand those things, which makes things so much easier, right? Yeah. In, in the other sense, you have like, if you had to develop a UI for stuff, everything would be so much complicated. So yeah. <laughs> makes things so much easier, I, I would say. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So we have these additional kind of concepts in the Laravel world, which is how we are interacting with Laravel through the command line, which is kind of why I grouped these all into an episode. And it's also why you're the person here, because you've been in, mm -hmm. inter interacting with so many different aspects of this. So mm -hmm. what we kind of were talking about is we've got Tinker, we've got Artisan, and then we've got kind of custom one-off um, applications that aren't actually in Laravel, but are in the Laravel ecosystem. Could mm -hmm. you um, talk a little bit about, first of all, just what Tinker and Artisan are? Yeah, so basically Tinker is what we call a read eval print loop. Mm -hmm. And basically what it uh, what it does to make it simple is that every time you type something on the console, mm -hmm. uh, Tinker will evaluate that and actually run that code against Laravel. Mm -hmm. So for example, imagine that you want to display just all the users you have in your database, right? You could write using Tinker in your command line stuff such as hap all, uh, user all, sorry. And mm -hmm. then you would get uh, all the users in your application. So basically, Tinker is the, is the fastest way to interact with your application using code, just yeah. like normal code. So I, I think people usually, before Tinker, what they used to do is that they probably would create a fake route uh, mm -hmm. just to kind of execute some kind of code. And, and Tinker is quite good at it, which is basically you write a little bit of code in your console and that code will be run against your application and do what is meant to do, yeah. uh, which is r quite nice. And, and you you suggested this, and I'm actually going to switch up what I said and actually go through with what you suggested, which is what is a, what is a really common use case for Tinker for you? Uh, well, I use it quite a lot to do, um, to use Eloquent. 
So, for uh -huh. example, if I want to see, find a user by a specific query, I usually mm -hmm. use Eloquent for that, just yeah. because I, it's more familiar to me to use uh, Eloquent code to find users on the database, for example, or to do yeah. even a complex SQL query, you know? Mm -hmm. Another example is that I just want to see how this specific code behaves in production. So let's mm -hmm. imagine that you want to run a specific command job in production, and you also don't want like to commit code to deploy or just to hard code it, for example, in uh -huh. your yeah, application code in production. It, yeah. And you just want to run a specific job in production. You can quickly do dispatch the past the class job and that's yeah. it. So yeah. that's also another common case I use Tinker for. So mm -hmm. yeah, Tinker for me, I, and I do think in the Laravel skeleton is there by default. It's mm -hmm. like a production dependency because I, I actually use it in production. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I use it in production a lot more than I use it locally, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what do you use locally, for example, if you want to uh, quickly, quickly check? Um, Usually, if I'm doing anything quickly um, in Tinker, often it has mm -hmm. to do with seeding things and stuff like that um, when I need local work. So if I'm doing checks locally, it's very often that I'm in the middle of working on something. And so it's like you said, I just add that to the route and then okay. just refresh the page. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in production, it's like you said, if you want to check something quickly, you don't want to modify that code on production because that's not that's not a good way to do things. Quickly modifying a route locally is just doesn't bother me that much. You know what I mean? I'll yeah, still use yeah. Tinker I, and I'll still use Tinker well as well which we can talk about in a second. But the, mm -hmm. the most common use case for Tinker for me locally is I spun up a new new version of website and I want to create the first user. Mm. And I almost always do that in Tinker. In so, Tinker, yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's, for people who quickly want to see what the code does very quickly, I think you have some people that indeed use Tinkerel locally, but I also think that some of the people just use the web routes folder, uh, mm -hmm. just as you, as you have said, right? And I think there is also uh, some people right now using Marcel tool, Tinkerel, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which basically is like a UI where you can uh, put some code and will behave like Tinker um, yeah. on the console, which is quite nice. I, I've been using Tinkerel a little bit as well locally right now. But you yeah. cannot use so, Tinkerel. I mean, I think you can actually. I'm I'm mistaken here. I think Marcel have developed some kind of SSH uh, feature which you can run Tinkerel as well in production. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have not used that, but I, I agree. And so for anybody who doesn't know, Tinkerwell is like a downloadable app. So it's like Electron where it's actually running on your machine. Mm -hmm. And on the left side, you're seeing your code. And the right side, you're seeing the output of your code. Yeah. And I use Tinkerwell more often than anything just to test how something works in Laravel in general. Not yeah, on the specific yeah. application, but if I'm just saying, you know what, I want to, mm -hmm. if I collect this and then map that <laughs> and then maps, you know, spread this, whatever, yeah. how's that going to turn out? So and I yeah. think it's a great tool for that. And for anyone not familiar with with um with English as a first language, tinker means to kind of like play around with something, um, mm -hmm. to tinker with something. It's often uh, con compared to people who are like inventors or people who are mm -hmm. working in the garage. And so the idea behind tinker is that when you want to tinker with something, you want to try something out, mm -hmm. you can kind of go in there um, mm -hmm. and, you know, just tinker with it. The funny thing is I just... Uh, I didn't Google, but I, I searched for Tinkerwell on DuckDuckGo, and it yeah. says, are you sure you didn't mean Tinkerbell? So, <laughs> <laughs> the Tinkerwell does come up first, but everything after that is, is Tinkerbell. So, yeah. Um, and, and we also make sure that uh, you were saying that you just want to make sure that your um, the code works for in the standard in the standard Laravel application. You uh -huh. also sometimes I don't know you want to tweet a quick tip 
about Laravel and you want to make sure that tip actually works as yes. expected <laughs> or, or doesn't have yep. like a, a missing comma on the on the right and you yep. just want to copy paste that snippet on Tinkerbell or just Tinker and make sure yeah. it works. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that that was um that's Tinker. So then we have yeah. Artisan. Can you kind of give us the high level introduction to what Artisan is? Yeah. So, and, and for people to understand the context of what we are talking about, I think you, Matt, you already explained it, but yeah, we are talking about command line and in the command line in Laravel ecosystem, we have like three big groups, one of them being Tinker, which is, we just talk about it. And we have Artisan, which is uh, kind of the entry point to Laravel, but using the console. So mm-hmm. to, to make it uh, simple, when you have a Laravel application, basically you have two kernels, right? One of them is the HTTP kernel, which is the HTTP entry point for your Laravel application. So for example, imagine that you have a, a route which displays all the users, for example, that goes through the HTTP kernel. Now, in Laravel, you also have another kernel, which is a console kernel, which mm-hmm. is used by Artisan. So Artisan is like the entry point for Laravel, but it uses the console. So basically, you can type PHP Artisan and click on Enter, and you will see the list of available commands on the console to interact with your Laravel application. Um, Now, by default, when you install Laravel, we have a bunch of commands, like PHP Artisan Down, which is basically put your application down for a few minutes. You Mm -hmm. have PHP Artisan Up to put again up, up your application and many more, right? Yep. So one cool thing about Artisan is that you can create your custom Artisan commands. So basically on this predefined list, you can add some commands on your own to that list. And the use case for this would be, for example, imagine that you have a very specific action in your application that you want to perform manually from time to time. And mm-hmm. that action could be, for example, perform a backup. I think this mm-hmm. is the best uh, example. So imagine that you want to perform a backup and you want that backup to be manually. So you can just go to your application and type PHP Artisan Backup and that will mm-hmm. backup your application. And I mean, we, there is a lot of stuff into this as well because you can use scheduler and etc. I don't know, Matt, if you want to enter in those details, but yeah, I think this would be a quick explanation about Artisan. Uh, Nuno, I'd, I'd actually love if you were to, to, to give just like a high level introduction of the scheduler and everything like that. Could you? So, so, so please do share about that. Yeah, yeah. So as I was saying, like you can add commands and ex- execute them manually, but mm-hmm. some of those commands you actually want to execute it, execute them uh, from a, um, a predefined time to time. So imagine mm-hmm. that you want to execute a backup, but instead of doing manually, doing every week. So you can define on the command class itself a schedule method that says, oh, I want to schedule this to run every week. Mm-hmm. And on then every week, you can say, for example, every day or every mm-hmm. minute even. Uh, so this is a very powerful feature of Laravel that I'm not sure if exists in any other framework in the world, mm-hmm. which allows you to run a console command from using a specified time that you put in the class. It, it's, yeah. it's very nice. So that's is what schedule is about. Yeah. Okay, so Artisan is sort of the entry point to Laravel from the command line. And you, I love that you, you kind of paired it saying sort of like your HTTP routes are your entry line from the web, from the HTTP, and then these mm-hmm. are your entry points. And there's a whole bunch of pre-built commands, like you said, but you can also make your own commands. Mm-hmm. So what is that third group? Uh, you said the first group is Tinker, second group mm-hmm. is Artisan. What's that third group? Well, I think third group is the group that I'm most involved with 
mm-hmm. which is made me create a Laravel Zero framework. So the, the third group is like the standalone CLI tools. Mm-hmm. And I know that you, Matt, you also have you have a love with this kind of. I love them. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I really do. <laughs> so uh, standalone CLI tools is kind of tools that you develop but doesn't have like the web component on it mm-hmm. or just not they are not just a simple script i would say mm-hmm. so standalone tools is it's kind of the fastest way to you to develop something to help your team so for mm-hmm. example imagine that your company sees something that can be automated using the cli right and the a common use case for this would be you want to every developer to have the same setup for example Right. Now, there are two ways of doing this. You can execute like <laughs> commands locally in every machine, or yeah. you can just develop a CLI tool that mm-hmm. does that for you, for example. And I, I actually have an example here, which is Takeout, which is developed by mm-hmm. Tycan, uh, by Matt and your colleagues, I would say. Mm-hmm. And Takeout is it's very nice because it's exactly the reason why I developed Laravel Zero, which is a command line tool that makes the, the developing setup be the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it uses Docker behind the scenes, which is even more funnier because you don't have to have Docker knowledge to actually use Takeout. Yeah. Now, Takeout is just an example, but we can mm-hmm. talk about another one, uh, Exposed by Marcel Posiot. So Expose is a CLI tool, a standalone tool that you can use in your local development and it will spin up or kind of expose your local web project to the world, mm-hmm. which is a Quite nice. You don't have to have knowledge about the, any specific technology. You just run Expose, and then you have your your website shared with, with the world, mm-hmm. which is quite nice. And they are the, really the purpose of these CLI uh, tools, which is making uh, something very easy from the command line, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Laravel Zero, um, for those who aren't familiar, is basic. It's not an official Laravel project, but um, mm-hmm. it is basically Laravel bundled and configured in such a way where it's targeted specifically for making these command line only apps. And so it is the actual, the majority of the Laravel framework um, Mm -hmm. with some new niceties on top of it that make it easier to build command line stuff. And so when I'm building these command line tools like Takeout or Lambo or whatever else, it's I've I've built them as bash scripts in the past. And that's a (laughs) lot of not my normal familiar programming language. I can't write tests for it and everything like that. So Laravel Zero allows me to build these command line tools, even with like really nice interactive menus that are color coded and everything, but mm-hmm. all still writing Laravel code and with the access to Laravel's collection pipeline mm-hmm. and all these various other things, which is really wonderful and HTTP mm-hmm. library and everything. And, and actually funny history about Laravel Zero is that I was actually doing a lot of tooling at the company mm-hmm. I was working for at the time. I was looking at that common tools and I thought, wouldn't it be great to actually you have Laravel to actually develop mm-hmm. these command line applications? As you said, mm-hmm. like it's so much nicer to use Laravel than just bash scripts yeah. or use Laravel than standalone standalone or Vanilla normal PHP. PHP. Yeah. 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 So that's why the reason why I developed Laravel Zero. It's kind of a skeleton to get start easily developing these standalone CLI tools. Yeah. Um, and also, you, you mentioned something which is is like Laravel, and it has these cool things to the, for the CLI. You mentioned mm-hmm. it this way, but there is a, a little bit more into it that I would like to go a little bit yeah. deeper on that, if you don't mind. So one cool thing is that it's actually like 30% of Laravel, I would say, behind the scenes. So we yeah. don't actually have all the Laravel code on the vendor folder. Right. Uh, we don't have the HTTP layer, 
the kernel HTTP layer that got stripped out. And we just have really the console aspects of Laravel, yeah. which is quite nice. And one cool thing about Laravel Zero as well is it solves a problem that I had when I was developing standalone tools. And that problem is about distribution. Mm-hmm. And you face it sometimes uh, yeah. in Takeout and Lambo. <laughs> yep. We talk about it, right? Yep. Uh, so the problem about distribution in CLI tools is that you want to be able to share that CLI tool across the world, right? With mm-hmm. your team or even with open source. And you want to be able to share that tool. Now, usually the way that people like to install tools and or CLI tools in PHP is do just a composer global require takeout or composer global require Lambo. Yep. So that's that's the way people want to install things. And we need to kind of be ready for this as developer of those open source tools. Now, if we actually are explicit about those dependencies of your package, you will face collisions of that all the time. Right. Yep. So a very simple example would be imagine that Lambo is using Laravel 7. But mm-hmm. Takeout is using Laravel 8. Yep. If you try to install both tools in the same environment using Composer Global Require, that will not work because it will face a conflict. Now, Laravel 0 tackles this problem and makes it so much easier having like a, a compilation step or a building step. Yep. Now, this is the job of the f- a framework, right? It make, th- make things easier. So what it does is basically take the entire vendor, the entire application, and compiles everything to a single file, making your CLI tool depending less or without yeah. dependencies at all. Yeah. And I I push it for that in Takeout and also in Lambo. And I know that people are are start using this this feature that was developed like four years ago or five yeah. years ago. But yeah. I mean, it's the history of frameworks, right? They take time yeah. to to actually uh, start being used by the ecosystem. But yeah, this is like the most powerful feature in Laravel Zero. And my favorite one is that just yeah. compiles everything to a single file and develop and distributes your CLI tool as a single file, which yeah. makes things so much easier. And I appreciate you mentioning that not only because it's it's interesting, but I think that everyone listening should know about this because it is a common issue that you as a consumer of these global packages are going to run into. And so it's really helpful for you to know how to solve this problem. So even though it sounds like this might not be like a one-on-one thing, a one-on-one thing, like an early learning, it actually is very helpful because, and if you're not familiar, if you or if you don't remember from the previous episode about Composer, Composer Global is not being installed. Those things aren't being installed on a project-by-project basis. Your Composer Global mm-hmm. is being installed on your computer computer once at the the root level of your user. And so what that means is mm-hmm. if I say composer global require one of those tools takeout or whatever, there's mm-hmm. a composer.json that is actually at the root of your user folder on your computer and now that tool, you know, takeout or whatever will be available on your command line no matter what project you're in, which is very cool, but like Nuno mentioned, you can then run into these dependency issues. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to composer global require something that hasn't been bundled like he's talking about here and you say I'm trying to Composer yeah. Global require this thing and all these other things I have installed are conflicting. The first thing I would do mm-hmm. is 
go to your global <laughs> composer folder and then just delete your composer.lock and delete your your vendor folder. And if you didn't listen, go back and listen to the composer episode. Mm. There's in composer two, that will be less of an issue. But right now, that's actually a safer for those of you nerds who are saying, why don't you go composer global update? It's not the same thing, unfortunately. Um, that's the safest option. And so if, if you're on Mac or Linux, I know that's going to be basically your home mm. folder. So it's like tilde slash dot composer. That's the hidden file or folder named composer. And in there, you just delete composer.lock, delete the vendor folder, and then you run composer install there. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's very good chance that mm-hmm. if you get the most up-to-date version of all your global dependencies, you're just going to be fine. It's seldom mm-hmm. that you get the most up-to-date version yeah. of all your global dependencies and they still have a conflict. So just a note to everybody, it's a troubleshooting tip. If you listen to this in the future and you're on Composer version 2, you should be able to just say Composer Global Update yeah. and it should be able to do that for you without you having to go delete any files. Okay. I mean, you and I obviously are connected yeah. on that all day long. Well, let's let's go back over to the more introductory stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have talked about the fact that we're talking about interacting with Laravel from the command line. We do have this idea of these third party, mm-hmm. you know, tools like Takeout mm-hmm. and Lambo and everything and Expos and stuff like that. We're gonna kind of set those aside for now and talk about just the day-to-day experience of being a Laravel programmer working primarily with Artisan and Tinker. So we've talked about, you know, some common use cases for each of these. Let's talk about some common challenges or gotchas or anything like that. What do you think trips people up or what do you think are things that are challenges or, you know, maybe things where people should use them more when it comes to Artisan and Tinker? So when you're thinking about interacting with your Laravel app from your normal web-based Laravel app from the command line, what are difficulties people have or what are things you wish that people knew about? Mm -hmm. So one thing I, I really would like people to know about is uh, some people underestimate the power of uh, artisan itself. Um, and one thing mm-hmm. I do use a lot, and I think is a kind of a hot tip, is that when your boss or your tick lead, lead asks for a feature, try to develop that feature mm-hmm. first in the command line. And I do use this tip mm. a lot. For example, the recent feature yeah. on Vapor, Taylor was asking me, hey, Nuno, uh, we do have this particular feature that we would like you to develop uh, for Vapor. What do you think about it? And I said, oh, mm-hmm. Taylor, I'm going to code an entire POC of that feature using the console. And this is so much nicer mm-hmm. because you don't need to worry about front-end at all, which is probably like 50% yep. of the time. And also, it makes yeah. sure that you can actually deliver the entire feature without any problems, right? So if in this case, Vapor is using a WVS behind the scenes, so you don't really control everything, correct? So a ton of stuff can go wrong because you don't know the entire WVS system. So it's so much nicer that you can spend like some time using the console just to develop this POC, you know, and you develop the POC and then you deliver and you are sure, okay, the feature works from A to Z, and now I can worry about the front end because I know that the feature will work. I can execute that feature in the console and you see it works, right? And it's so much nice, so much yeah. easier to actually create commands from, from Laravel, right? You just type PHP, make yeah. command, and you type the name and bam, you can execute, you can yeah. put the code inside of the handle method and you can develop the entire feature there and make sure it works from A to Z and then uh, you worry about front end, right? And it cuts in time because... Yeah. Uh, if if you if you think a little bit, sometimes you spend time working on front end that then will not actually be used uh-huh. at, yeah. at the end of the feature because you didn't work yet on the back end. So yeah, I do use the common yeah. line a lot for these kind of things, and I think uh, it's kind of a hidden power, you know, behind Artisan itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. 
Um, so just for everyone to know, um, I actually paused for a second and asked Nuno. When he said POC, he meant POC, yeah. proof of concept, just so you know. So what he's basically saying is I want to be able to show that this thing works. And I love that. We we did that at Titan. I remember back when Adam worked at Titan, we had this really, 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 really complicated mm-hmm. thing that we were trying to build for people. And we didn't know quite what the user interaction mm-hmm. was going to look like. And we imagined this idea, Adam and I did together, of sort of a black box where you put in a little bit of information and then it does all sorts mm-hmm. of complexities and it outputs a little bit of inf- information. And we were kind of nervous that like having to build that at the same time as we built the front end interface was going to really mm-hmm. complicate things. And so I said, Adam, why don't you go build this black box and just give me a, an artisan mm-hmm. interaction with it? And so artisan, you know, we made an artisan command that asked maybe two or three questions. Mm-hmm. That was it. And then he built this massive and complicated calculation black box based on the mm-hmm. user specifications or the, the client's specifications. And then it output, you know, really simple data. And once we got that working in a way that made sense and tested it mm-hmm. in a way that made sense against the user specifications, then he built the user interface, interface on mm-hmm. top of that black box. And so I totally love that idea because one of the things I talk a lot of with the Titan folks is that context switching is one of the most costly things that can mm-hmm. affect a developer. And we all know this in terms of, you know, you're really deep in something and then you have a meeting or you get a phone call or you get a tap on the shoulder. But there's also context switching when it comes to thinking about different aspects of your code, whether it's context switching, thinking about front end versus back end, or the more common one we think about is coding versus, you know, being the product owner, where you have to ask these questions of, as a user, what Mm -hmm. do I want? That's kind of a different way. But even just this Mm -hmm. that you're talking about, am I in the front end space? And am I thinking Mm -hmm. about designs? And am I thinking about user flows? Or am I in the back end space? And I'm thinking about how to actually implement this feature. Being able to stay just in one Mm -hmm. of those mental spaces for the duration of your proof of concept is awesome. So I love that. I really appreciate you bringing that up. And I also think it gives you some sense of delivery, you know? Like, when you are at 50% yeah. of mm-hmm. the project and you know that the backend works, you can work, like, very calmly or very comfortably yeah. on the front-end, you know? Because you are sure the backend works. You know it works. I know that yeah. here, for example, I do need to implement a loader because this feature is a little bit slow over there. It gives you, like, the, uh-huh. the complete uh, knowledge about the entire feature from A to Z. And I do use Artisan a lot for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, yeah. So one of the things we, like I said before, we like to talk about here is the things that kind of get people stuck. And you you shared some really great ideas for how to use Artisan to develop the original feature. I would think one of the things I want to keep talking about here, though, is if somebody's new to Laravel, mm-hmm. often they're not developing their own features. They're really just using Artisan as it is, right? They're not creating custom Artisan commands just yet. And that's just fine, y'all. It's just to start with your interactions with Artisan just being, you know, what does it look like to interact with Artisan on a day-to-day? And uh, one of the things I would just want to ask is, do you have any either kind of like things to help people avoid any problems or any tips and tricks or anything like that? Wish things you've wished everybody knew about just interacting with Artisan as it exists out of the box? I think to be honest, like Artisan, it's, it's really good. Nothing yeah. else. I don't I'm not sure if I have something about that because I, I don't remember to actually struggle with Artisan when I first get started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably like the list of commands I wasn't sure about what I was able to do. So uh-huh. starting with checking the docs could be probably a good idea to make sure that you fully mm-hmm. master the tooling before actually starting using it. But yeah, besides knowing what are all the powers of Artisan, I'm not sure if I have struggled with something, to be honest. Yeah, I love what you just said there because I do think that uh, there's two common things I see. And the first one is people who build 
tools themselves or do things by hand, not knowing it already exists in artisan. Yeah. So what you said is perfect. <laughs> it's the the num- number one most common problem I see people having with artisan is not knowing something that can be done in artisan and, and not using it. So I would say that's a great idea. Go just type PHP artisan in your new Laravel app. Go read what they all do. And if any of them don't make sense, go read the docs for them. That's a great call. I do have a tip about yeah, that, though. Some people don't know, but they can actually type dash dash help just after every command. So, for example, if you are using the PHP artisan migrate command, which the goal is kind of migrate every new migration uh, to your database, you can actually type dash dash help just after that mm-hmm. command to understand the possible options about the command yeah. itself. So if you don't know what something is, you can actually get the docs for it by typing, you know, PHP artisan view colon cache dash dash help. And you're actually going to learn all about Correct. that thing. Yeah, it's like the man page for it. Correct. Yeah. So every command, like you will, so first of all, the list will display you tons of new command, tons of commands. Mm-hmm. And for each command, you can actually type uh, dash dash help just after yeah. it. And you will get description about the command itself, but also all the available options that you have about that command. And a good example for this will be if you type, for example, PHP artisan queue work, mm-hmm. which is the way of starting consuming queue jobs in Laravel, mm-hmm. you will actually be able, if you type dash dash help, you will be able to find tons of options about this queue, like the memory usage, uh, the delay time oh, cool. in all those uh, cool things about Lara. That's yeah. awesome. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I had one other tip for me, which is that if when you're working on most command lines, you might find yourself in a circumstance where you want to put a PHP namespace in one of your commands. So for example, if you're making a controller, you do PHP artisan make colon controller space the name of a control- controller. What if that controller mm-hmm. is going to be in a namespace? So if you ever try PHP artisan make colon controller API slash, you know, whatever dog controller, it won't work. And that's not an artisan thing. It's actually a command line thing. If you have slashes in the command line like that, they're going to be considered mm-hmm. an escaping slash instead of an actual character. And so the, the mm-hmm. solution there is if you're going to be writing that slash, you want to do a forward slash before it. So you would do PHP artisan yeah. make colon controller space API forward slash backward slash dog controller and that forward slash is basically telling the you know your command line hey that backward slash is not an escaping slash it's actually a character of its own and just remembering the direction of the slashes and stuff like that or remembering you can do that sometimes just trip people up i think the other thing you could do is just encase it in quotes right if you encase the controller name in quotes you may not have to escape it is that right does that sound right to you i think you still have to escape it though And I, I still struggle with that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, and every time I'm using, for example, Laravel Scout, I d- I do need to inst- to uh, specify the the, the model mm-hmm. full qualified mm-hmm. namespace, and I still struggle with the fact that it asks me all the time to add a double code yep. before a uh, double uh, slash before. Uh, so it's it's something that I um, I wish could be better in the console in the command yeah. line. I would and say. And the, the, the difficulty mm-hmm. with that, unfortunately, is just the fact that like this is a result of. Artisan doesn't even know that you typed a slash there in the first place, right? And so it can't it can't catch it for you because it's literally not seeing the slash. So if you've ever found yourself in a circumstance where you tried to make API slash dog controller and instead you you end up with API dog controller, that's what happened is that Artisan didn't even get that slash in the first place because your command line escaped it for it. And that mm-hmm. I think that's the other most common thing. Well, I didn't prepare you for this, so feel free to just say no. But are there any other tips, tricks, challenges, or gotchas for Tinker that you want to share with people? 
Well, there is one cool thing about Tinker, but I think, and I'm not sure if most of the people like this, one of them is that it can some, somehow infer uh, the used model for mm -hmm. you, which is quite yeah. nice. So, for example, if you are using just the user model, you don't actually need to type app yeah. slash models slash user. And can you, you can just type user, for yep. example, and Tinkerwell will kind of understand automatically that you are referring to the user yep. class or the user model class, which is quite nice. So that is one thing I use all the time in Tinker, which is uh, very cool. I love that. And there's there's yeah. one, that would be my first tip for sure. My second tip is sort of esoteric, but it has confused me and so many of my friends so many times that I'm going to let you all know. <laughs> there is something in PHP called the destruct. I think that's what it is, the magic method. And it basically, when a class gets shut down and it's no longer mm -hmm. being used, I hope that's the right one, destruct or destroy, something like that. We have some hooks in the framework and in some third-party packages that run when a class gets destroyed. And mm -hmm. for some, I can't remember the specifics. I learned it all and have since forgotten. When you're doing certain mm -hmm. things in certain packages that is most common with an exception handler like i know that bug snag mm -hmm. does this and theirs and i think others do sometimes that mm -hmm. method never gets called in tinker because tinker is not actually a full web request it's really a request that's just sitting open as long as your tinker session is open yeah. so for example if you're trying to test your bug snag by sending an error report in Tinker, you're not going to ever see it sent. Mm -hmm. You're going to think you're crazy. No, that's not what it is. I don't think I've ever yeah. run into anything else that has that problem. Um, but just a note yeah. that like Tinker, the full request of Tinker is not the same mm -hmm. as a full request of an HTTP request because you don't get the end of that request. You don't get the end of that session in the same way in Tinker as you do in your thing. So again, 99.9% .9 of the time, that's not going to be an issue whatsoever. But if you feel like you're Correct. losing your mind and something that you're doing mm -hmm. in Tinker is not working, first thing to check is, is that thing being triggered based on the end of the request? Because it's possible the request is never ending because you're in Tinker. Number one common use case for that for me has been and for me and friends is bug snagger and other exception handler does something at the end of the request. The tinker request never ends. It never gets sent out to your error, error handler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. I think so. The method is indeed destructive. Okay. And I, I do think that happens because you probably are using tinker by creating a new variable mm -hmm. and the variable is never unset. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you do like new job for example and you expect like the job to use destruct at the end yep. or bug snap for example but since the variable is never unset because yep. you are always in that session right i think it's because of that reason that the destructors never call it but yeah. as you said it's like 99 percent of even more i think yeah. um, you wouldn't uh, find this problem in most of the use cases in tinker yep absolutely agreed mm -hmm. sweet well Let's move on to the next section. Is there anything else that you want to talk about in this topic? I know that you, while you were very knowledgeable about a lot of this more entry-level stuff, I also know mm -hmm. that you're super knowledgeable, especially relative to your average Laravel programmer, about the standalone applications and everything. So, mm -hmm. But across all three of these sections, is there anything else you would like to talk about, even if it's maybe a little bit more advanced before we kind of start wrapping up? Yeah, I would like to talk about how can you make your standalone CLI applications or even the Laravel artisan commands that you share with the world using mm -hmm. packages, how can you make them more successful? And yeah. I think, uh, and I never shared this with anyone actually, but I oh, think yeah. one of the reasons why uh, I have developed some successful packages, one of them being Collision, another one being Pinch B Insights, or even Pest itself, is that their interaction with the console is really good like in yeah. the ui aspect of it 
it's really good. Now, I was saying at the beginning that, oh, in the console, you don't need to worry just about text and a little yeah. bit of colors, and you don't, don't need to worry about it. But I also think that the difference between making a CLI good to a CLI very, very good is the interaction that people have uh, on the output of that console. And the best example I have here, and probably some of our listeners are not familiar with, is PHP Insights. And mm-hmm. I'm, I don't use PHP Insights that a lot right now. I was using before, but uh, not a lot right now. But one of the reasons why PHP Insights got like 4,000 stars on GitHub, on, on GitHub and also uh, millions of downloads, the reason is the expect, uh, the UI of it in the console. Like you have, uh, you have literally cards on the on the on the output of the console mm-hmm. you have like a beautiful table percentage it really looks like a website in the in the console yeah it, it, it is just crazy so also collision like collision is the best example most of the people are don't remember even how exceptions were before in the console yeah but they were truly a mess they yeah. didn't you didn't have colors you didn't have a snippet of code for example yeah. uh, it was complicated to understand what the exception is about. Yeah. So collision is like that's that CLI tool that makes all of that output pretty. And yeah. once it's pretty, people like it that very much. Yeah. Uh, so that's the difference between making something good from something very, very good in the console. Uh, yeah. So one tip for standalone uh, CLI tools, but also for package developers that are providing artisan commands is make the CLI output very pretty. People like that yeah. very much. <laughs> And I pa- love that. Uh, Taylor, even Taylor, like in the Laravel new installer, he have put the dragon, man. He yeah, <laughs> he's really kind of put some love into it. I love that. Yeah, people like it. Uh, so, yeah. And it's interesting because there's a difference to be had on the console between appealing U- UIs, um, user experiences and user interfaces, and also uh, quick ones. And that's something we've been struggling with on Takeout a lot is we mm-hmm. want it to make this thing where the user inter- interface exposes a lot of information and makes you know all the choices and looks really nice mm-hmm. and also allows you to move really quickly. And the good thing mm-hmm. is you can combine you know, r- rich menu systems together with defaults I've found or command line flags that the, the power mm. users can pass, but that the new users don't have to, to really mm. kind of make a more rich experience. Because a lot of people say, when I first get started with takeout, I want that menu experience that allows me to pick which one is available. But when All it's right. something I'm doing frequently, I just want to be able to hit the thing once and not have to tap through, you know, enter, down, down, enter, down, 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 <laughs> enter, and then enter to hit the default or whatever, right? And yeah. so uh, one of the things we, we're we building right now, Jose's doing this, not me, and there's a, a, a third-party contributor who's been helping with this, is building a parameter that you can pass that says dash, dash, defaults or dash, dash, yes or something. So mm-hmm. that if you, if you hit a command and you know that you're just going to accept the defaults of all mm-hmm. those beautiful menus that we have, then mm-hmm. you could just bypass all of it. And so there's this weird interaction between you both want them to be really nice to work with. And you also, there's sometimes this expectation, in the command line that I want it to be really snappy or often mm-hmm. I want it to be able to be run with no user interaction whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I love that, that idea that we, we both want to make it super clear to people who don't know what they want or who need information out, but also allow them a really fast path through if they know exactly what they want. We got to consider both of those things, which is a challenge, but also, you know, an exciting, you know, opportunity. So. Correct. And that's a very good point. And I also have another point. I think it's a little bit um, similar to, to the one you just mentioned, is that the type of user that will interact with the console is different from the type of user that will interact with the web. Yeah. So the user that works with the web, 
they don't care about what's happening behind the scenes. Yep. So normally they want to make sure they click on the install button, for example, or the add user button. A, they want to make they just they just want that it works. You know, mm-hmm. people from the console usually. Some people want just have a user and don't care about what's happening behind the scenes, but some people actually want to have more a verbose option. Mm-hmm. So, for example, people expect they expect to always type dash 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 v and actually mm-hmm. see the verbose output uh, yeah. from your common interface. And this is very very common. Like every time you interact with the console, people would expect that if they type dash V, they expect uh, your console output to display the all actions they are doing behind the scenes. Do yep. you have something like this on takeout? Like explaining? Um, uh, no, but we do on, we're working on something actually so that you'll be able to type dash V and it'll tell you all the Docker commands it's running. And okay. we're also working on it with Lambo. John Sugar has been helping me a lot with the, the remade PHP version of Lambo. And he has this unbelievably rich system that captures varying levels of detail about what's happening. And we're mm-hmm. just right now piping it all through the dash V, dash VV or dash VVV. So you can choose the, ver- <laughs> the ver- verbosity. And yeah. the idea is if you just run Lambo, you're just going to say, oh, we're creating this. We're creating that. Oh, your, mm-hmm. your new Laravel app's ready to go. But if you type mm-hmm. dash V, it's going to actually show you the output of all of the commands that we're running so you can see it. So it's that same kind of idea. And the cool thing is there are tools available to you in the Symfony command line things to know what level of, of verbosity was, was requested. So yeah, right. I love that because I think that one of the problems we had done in Lambo was we were building our own verbosity system and we're like, wait a minute, there's already this concept existing yeah. of dash V. Yeah. Why don't we just tap into that instead? Yeah. And it's very common across all the CLI tools in every language. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, dash V, people thing. expect yeah. to uh, to the comment to be verbose. And, yeah. and this, a very important tip for people that are actually just using Artisan as normal not package developers or not standalone CLI tools developers, is that you can actually use dash V on the Laravel command itself if mm-hmm. you just are curious about what's happening. For example, imagine that you type artisan migrate and you are having an error in the console. So if you just want to see the entire output error of that error in the console, you can just type uh, dash V and you will see the entire thing. Yeah. Same goes if no error occurs and you just want to see exactly what are the steps behind the scenes you can type dash v and you will see the entire thing yeah i love that that's a great tip so are there any other things because we're in the middle of is there anything else you'd like to talk about this topic and you give some really great ideas about these tools are there any other things you'd like to talk about about interacting with laravel on the command line about ours and about tinker about anything else Uh, i think i think i'm good yeah okay Mm -hmm. so if someone were to want to learn more about any one of these three where would Uh you send them well i can tell you how I have started, but mm-hmm. I can also tell you my experience about how they should get started. Yeah. So I basically I've started with Laracats in my in mm-hmm. my case. It's the second time I'm in this podcast, and the second time I'm talking about Laracats. I yeah. don't know, <laughs> but yeah, I did start it with Laracats to understand all the power in Artisan and with Tinker as well. But to be honest, if you are not a video learner, you can just use. Uh, the docs of Laravel. They mm-hmm. are very, very good, and you mm-hmm. will understand all the power of, of Artisan, all the power of Tinker, just reading the docs very slowly in the afternoon. <laughs> yep. For CLI standalone tools, I recommend you to take a look at laravelzero.com, and you will find uh, all the documentation there to get started uh, developing your own uh, CLI tool. Yep. 
All right. So the last piece of every single one is a personal fun moment. And you know what I realized is that often I ask people about one of their hobbies and I'll mm -hmm. ask them about some hobby I know for them. And I realized I don't know your hobbies. So that's actually my personal fun moment. What is your most common hobby out that is not uh, coding? Oh, that's not coding. That's an yeah, interesting question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What do, you, what do you do when you're not at the computer? I guess it could be at the computer. So when you're not coding. Mm -hmm. So I think I have two main hobbies. The first one is video gaming. Like mm -hmm. I, I play a lot. I remember uh, you told me about that last time for sure. Yeah. What's, what's your lot. favorite game right now? I've been playing a lot Counter-Strike. Okay, cool. But I do diverge sometimes, you know. Sometimes I'm like, I'm into Counter-Strike and I do play like for three months. But then I change again to League of Legends. It depends on what is the thing of the moment, you know, between my group of friends. Cool. So video games is one of them. And also soccer or football, as we football, call it uh -huh, here yeah. in uh, Europe. So I play like two times a week. Oh, cool. And it's it's very cool. I love it. Uh, so that's those are my main do hobbies. A, do you have a favorite team? I do. It's a Portuguese one called Benfica. Okay. I'm yeah, not even going to try it? and say that back because I know I'm going <laughs> to ruin it. Can, can you son, try? Uh, can you say it again and I'll try? Benfica. Benfica. Hey, nice. Is it like with a B-E-F? E, it's B-E-N-F. N-F. Oh, okay. Oh, Benfica. B -B -B yeah, I got it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, my son is, he's eight and he's really, really into soccer. And we just moved to Atlanta, which has a, you know, has a team. And so like he's, that's his team. But his godfather was like, yeah, but you got to have a European team too. So he just, <laughs> I think he got him an Arsenal journey. I think that's what Jersey. So I think he's an Arsenal fan just arbitrarily because his godfather loves Arsenal. So yeah. uh, we were going to watch some soccer, some football this weekend, uh, just so he can actually, because like he plays it at, you know, at, at the eight-year-old, very, very, very casual level. But oh. like he's now getting to the point where he wants to watch the games and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know anything, but I'll watch it with you. So so in how that is working out for you because you, you need to play with him, right? Yeah. So, but so our <laughs> yard is not big enough to really play. So what we do is we just go and we just kick the ball back and forth. And at first I would go super easy on him. And now I don't, <laughs> I really don't because <laughs> he's really learning some moves. And again, like, I think that if like, I think there are eight year olds who are like really serious and on traveling teams, he's not at that level, but mm -hmm. he's at the level where me as like your average kind of clumsy adult who doesn't really know how to play the game at all. Yeah. Like he's getting to the point where in a year he'll be able to kick my butt all the time yeah so i'm like okay this is kind of cool so i am feeling the pressure to be good enough to play along with him but i also want to find a good park around here that has like an actual big open space because he's now at the point where like my backyard's not good enough for him okay so it's okay. kind of fun actually you know i i know a little bit about a bunch of sports and i'm not particularly good about any of them so i now feel this pressure i'm like i better be i better be good enough to compete at soccer so yeah it's a good excuse to work out so <laughs> yeah exactly and, and yeah. you know even in our backyard we like by the time we're done we'll play 20 30 minutes of soccer Whoa. i'm gonna be drenched in sweat so we are <laughs> we're definitely having a good time on it and i'm having to teach myself some moves just to be able to keep up with them so <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I, yeah. I think now that I ask you that question, I was like, I actually think that I asked you that exact same question last last episode, last time I had you on last season. Just for <laughs> the rest of y'all listening, if you didn't get a chance to listen, take a listen um, to Nuno's episode on um, uh, season three. I will make sure that we link it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else? To, oh, you know what? So this is the last thing. How can people follow you? Is mm -hmm. there anything you want them to go check out? You mentioned LaurelZero.com. Is there anything else yeah. you want them to check out and how can they follow you? Uh, yeah, so people can check my website to follow my work, nunumaduro.com. 
And they can also uh, check out my recent project, open source project, which is uh, pastphp.com, which mm -hmm. is uh, an alternative to PHP unit uh, for PHP testing. Check it out and give me feedback. Awesome. You're also E. Nonomaduro on Twitter, and we'll have that exactly. linked. And exactly. He works for Laravel, so you should see his name around. Well, Nuno, <laughs> thank you. I mean, you know how much I benefited from your work uh, because I built like several things on Laravel Zero. And, and for anyone who didn't hear it when he slyly snuck it in there, I'm going to say it outright. I will build these things and then he'll put in a pull request that, you know, I'll build something on top of Laravel Zero. He's like, you're probably going to want to do it this way. So for each of the packages I built, he's did that. The, the whole thing where he talked about where you compile the thing. He's like, you're probably going to want to compile it. And he'll teach me exactly how to do it. So I have benefited greatly from both the ecosystems that you've created and then also your help. So thank you for my sake. For anybody who uses these tools that I make, Lambo and all this kind of stuff, that, you know, you've got something to thank him for. And also now that you're working here, I mean, you've, you've built some features and forge that we've been waiting for for ages and you and you and james have so thank you for all your contributions to the community yeah. and thank you for hanging out with me today thank you for so much for having me man that's a pleasure all right see you all next time